So we live in a society that is dominated by many things. But two of the things that I, I see most frequently and we read about most frequently are anxiety and anger, often stemming from a deep sense of loneliness and feelings of powerlessness. You know, God never intended life to be like that. He, when he invited us into relationship with himself, he would never intend that we should be lonely or feel powerless. And as we examine this idea this morning, I'm hoping that those things will feel like they are behind us and we are invited into something that is of great, great value. Because what I want to talk about this morning is friendship and partnership with the Holy Spirit. You can be a friend and partner with the Holy Spirit. Now, we're all familiar with the idea of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Most of us would have to be honest and say we don't fully understand it. It's a little bit, how do you have three in one? How does that work out? But when it comes to thinking about the different persons of the Holy Spirit, if we think of it like a three-legged stool, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for most of us, the Holy Spirit is like a tiny little stump of a leg on the stool, and the other two are strong and long. It's not something you could sit on, put your weight on, or rely on, because that leg of the stool is not fully developed. And I'm hoping I want, that I can give you this morning an appetite for developing and strengthening that part of your relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We love the idea of the power of the Spirit and the presence of the Spirit, and we, you know, we, we love all of that stuff. But what about friendship and partnership, relationship with the Holy Spirit? And my scripture for, the, for this morning is a single verse. It comes at the end of 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Familiar, a very, very familiar verse because we, we say it very often in our liturgies. And uh, we bring these words to one another. Paul the Apostle Paul brought these words as a final prayer for the church in Corinth. He said this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Okay, hands up if you're part of the all this morning. Okay, Paul down through the ages is praying for you and my prayer for you as well is that you would know the grace of the Lord Jesus. Do you know the grace of the Lord Jesus is so, so important? If you ever feel like the Christian life is a sort of an effort and you're striving and what if God's not pleased with me and trying to do something to earn brownie points in heaven, then you clearly haven't understood the grace of the Lord Jesus. His grace is its unmerited favor. His grace is his, all of God's goodness at Christ's expense. His grace enables us and motivates us to live for God. I, I love the scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 15.10 where Paul, reflecting on the grace of God, says this. He says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. He had a profound sense of identity, of who he was because of God's grace working in his life. But then he goes on to say this. 
and his grace toward me did not prove in vain. Which is interesting, an interesting thought that we could actually have God's grace but respond to it in a way that makes it null and void. It's in vain. What would that look like, I wonder? And he goes on to say, his grace toward me didn't prove in vain, but I labored more than all of them, more than all the other apostles and workers. I labored, I gave myself to God's work more than anybody. That was how the grace of God had worked in his life. It wasn't in vain. It produced this response in Paul of gratitude, of thanksgiving, of of appreciation for all that God had done for him, that he wanted, out of his love for God, to serve him, to work for him, to, to sacrifice for him, even to suffer for him. You know, not many of us willingly embrace suffering, do we? But for Paul, it was part of his response to the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am who I am. His grace toward me did not prove in vain, but I labored more than all of them. And yet, he concludes, not I, but the grace of God in me. It was all about God's grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need that grace if we're going to have true motivation for loving, serving, worshiping for God, if, if necessary, sacrificing and suffering for God, then we need to know his grace. And it's, it's a foundation for our lives, isn't it? You know, Paul says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. That grace is a foundation, but that grace is also what sustains us, motivates us, makes us want to do crazy things for God, wants us to take risks for God, wants us to get out of our comfort zones for God, wants us to give ourselves for the sake of others and for the sake of the gospel. That's what grace does. And if grace doesn't do that, we probably have yet to experience his grace. Can you say amen to that? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and this is a Trinitarian scripture clearly speaking about God the Father. The love of God the Father. That love, that love which overwhelms us, that love which invites us into his embrace, that love which welcomes us into his family, which we live out in communities, in families together. That love which says, you are unconditionally accepted is the source of all security and self-esteem in our lives. And if we do not know the love of the Father, we will have fundamentally an insecurity in our lives. So we need to know the love of God, the Father. We need to know that that we are unconditionally loved by God. He is our dad, our heavenly dad. We're his child. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more, nothing we can do to make him love us less. And that's another bedrock foundation in our lives, the love of God the Father. And if we, if we don't know that love, if we've yet to really fully appreciate how loved we are, then in, our, in that sort of vacuum that's left in our lives, we will often try and fill it with other things. We'll fill it with trying to please other people to get their affirmation. We'll fill it with working harder to try and earn, a, earn you know, approval and success in our jobs or wherever. Or we'll fill it with stuff or we'll fill it with pleasure-seeking because there's this void in our life that has yet to be filled with a knowledge of the love of God 
the Father. You know, for many of us, that is a, a profound need to know God's love as Father. But here's the key. All of these things are accessed, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, by our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So, that's what I want us to look at this morning. What does it mean to enjoy fellowship with the Holy Spirit? So that word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia, which also is used for the fellowship that the first disciples had in that first church in Jerusalem. It says they devoted themselves in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship with each other, koinonia, to breaking bread and to prayer. What does this word koinonia mean? What does this word translated fellowship actually mean? As I've looked into it, I see two elements to it. It's friendship and it's partnership. You too can be a friend and partner with the Holy Spirit. Bishop Graham Tomlin, the Bishop of Kensington, said this in a recent interview. He said, when I started out, I think I saw the Holy Spirit as a fairly minor part of Christian understanding. I think I was a little wary of the emotional side of Christian faith. Maybe that's a tendency for people like me who like to think our way around our faith. Anybody else identify with that? I've come to see that without the Spirit, we cannot worship God, understand the Bible, or feel any love or desire for God, or have any hope of growing in these things. I've become more aware of the need to continually ask for the Spirit's presence and help as a conscious act of invitation, because it's only the Spirit who can enable us to experience the love of God, and it's vital to do that. Friendship and partnership with the Holy Spirit. This friendship for me has become a vital part of my day-to-day life. I love to talk to the Holy Spirit. I love to have conversations with him. I love to invite him into the situations that I'm, whatever I'm going through, whether it's you know, just doing everyday things like, oh, Holy Spirit, come and be with me in the washing up, or Holy Spirit, you know, help me with this, this one-on-one situation. I've got, I need, I need your wisdom, or Holy Spirit, I'm As I I head off to Cambridge, I'm going to have to speak to all these very clever people. Would you just give me your ideas and your wisdom? Whatever it might be, just talking to the Holy Spirit. As we worship God and welcome his presence, we are welcoming the presence of God's Spirit. This is not a trick question, okay? Let me ask you a question. Where is God the Father? He's in heaven, okay? I thought, you know, the intellectuals from Cambridge would have known that, but there we go. Okay? God the Father is in heaven. Where is Jesus? He's at the Father's right-hand side. When he left the earth, he went up to heaven, and he is now seated at the Father's right hand. The only way that we can experience God in the present is through the Holy Spirit. And because of this mystery of the Trinity, when we 
experience the Holy Spirit, we are experiencing not just the Spirit of God, we're experiencing the Spirit of Christ. And so when Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, it's the Spirit that he's referring to. It's the Spirit of Christ who is in us. When we talk about being adopted into God's family, we know God's love as Father because the Spirit is the Spirit of adoption. The Spirit brings us into that relationship with the Father and his family. Some years ago, Jenny, my wife, and I got into some awful, awful debt through my utter stupidity, making some very bad investments, and it was a very stressed and pressured time in our lives. And uh, we're fortunate to have a cellar in our house, and I can go down into my cellar, and I can pretend nobody can hear me. Uh, Sadly, the actual floorboards above and the carpet are no insulation whatsoever, so everybody gets to hear what I'm praying or singing or shouting or ranting or raving. But anyway, I, in, that, in that time, I was so stressed, I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I, I did almost get one or two panic attacks um, because I didn't know how to get out of the situation. And when I told Jenny what had happened, she was ready to kill me because it was my initiative. So I was just me and God basically trying to sort this one out. And I had to go down to my cellar. I just had to say, God, I don't know if I can get through today without your presence. I need your presence. And I would start to worship God. I would start to declare his goodness over my life. I would start to say what I knew to be true about God. I would start to give thanks for the things that I could give thanks for until eventually I started to feel the presence of God's spirit with me. Because it's one thing to know in theory that we have God's presence by his spirit with us. It's another thing to know it by experience. And I think when the Bible talks about knowing something, often it's that word know by experience. We often interpret as know by intellectual understanding or academic understanding or logical understanding. But it's usually it's knowing by experience. And I like to describe these times of worship with God during that season as making a visceral, sort of a gut Based connection with God's Spirit. For me, that became an absolute lifesaver. You know, Lamentation says, His mercies are new every morning. Every morning, I had to get down in that cellar. I had to find God's presence again and hear His word to me for a new day. It was making that connection with God's Spirit. Worship was a key to it, thanksgiving was a key, confession was a key, speaking in tongues was a key. I had to find that presence. And, you know, I am so grateful that he doesn't leave us alone. We have another comforter, a counselor, an advocate, a paraclete, paracletos, the Holy Spirit. God has given him to us so that we can know his presence in our lives. And I I think my life would have just fallen apart during that season. And if I remember... I'll tell you the end of the story later because God said in that year, which was January 2008, he said to us in that year, this is going to be a 10-year journey, Nick. I sometimes called it a 10-year adventure. I didn't feel like an adventure at the time. It just felt like a lot of stress. But it was an adventure, a 10-year adventure, and I just learned in a new way to totally depend on the presence of God's Spirit in my life and to cultivate that friendship 
with the Holy Spirit. And the two words that I associate with friendship are the words immediacy and intimacy. Immediacy and intimacy, I, I link to the word friendship. You know, the friend is with you at all times, closer than a brother. A friend is alongside you, they experience it with you, they support you in it, they share in that moment, in that experience, and the immediacy of God's spirit. It's not like I have to go to the top of a mountain to find God's spirit, or into a cave in the desert to find God's spirit. He's here, right now. Right now, he is in me. He is with me. He is in you. He is with you. And he is among us. God's spirit is here. It's more real. He is more real than the air we are breathing. And yet we often fail to even acknowledge his presence, let alone cultivate a friendship with him. And I, I, I want to say to you this morning, if you have not cultivated that friendship with the Spirit, you are missing out on one of the most delightful and wonderful aspects of our relationship with God. And I'll, I'll come back to how we cultivate that at the end. But the other aspect of koinonia, it's not just friendship, it's also about partnership. It's about Co, being co-laborers with Christ through our partnership with the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be a partner in this koinonia, in this fellowship with the Spirit? What does it mean to be a partner with the Holy Spirit? Now, the two words I associated with partnership or partner are the words purpose and power. Purpose and power. You know, when we come to God, we reconnect with a plan and a purpose that he had for our lives from even before we were born, the adventures that he had planned for you. And the thing about the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Romans 8, that we are led by the Holy Spirit. He's the one that leads us into those adventures, into those plans according to God's purpose. And if we are not in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we may miss what it is to be led by the Spirit. I'm, I'm so glad that in the smallest of things, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. So I'm in a, I'm in a cafe, in a coffee shop with a, a person of peace, a Sicilian woman who's in her 60s, who's serving us, and I just get this little nudge from the Holy Spirit. It's a crazy little nudge, but ask her if she likes Cliff Richard. <laughs> you know, Sicilian woman in her 60s, she may have never heard of Cliff Richard. I said, tell me, Tell me, uh, Enza, do you like Cliff Richard? Oh, I love Cliff Richard. La, 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 la. And that opens up a whole conversation about Cliff Richard being a Christian and you know, my good friend who used to answer all his letters and mail that uh, came to him when he was you know, in the sort of center stage. And it just opened up a, question, you know, a conversation around faith and what it meant to be a Christian, just following that little nudge. Or, or the really big things where the Holy Spirit leads you like, leading me out of my medical career as a GP into church leadership, you know, some clear words, but being led by the Spirit, or being led out of Bristol to go and plant a church in Liverpool, a city I barely knew. That whole adventure that has led us there and to be there for the last 27 years. You know, I'd have missed that if I didn't understand what it meant to be a partner with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit into those adventures. And of course, the, you know, the bigger the decision, the more clear that leading needs to be. 
but also into his power. Because when he leads us in those adventures and we partner with him, he makes power available. You know, I love that the, that the, uh, the kids are going to be looking at gifts of the Spirit today because often it's through the gifts of the Spirit that we access God's power. And we love it, don't we? We love stories about God's power at work and sometimes it's a mystery why we don't see it and other times it amazes us when we do see that power. But it's the Holy Spirit who gives us that power in partnership friend and partner. What was it that Jesus said to the disciples in Acts 1.8? He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into his purpose and gives us his power. Power to live for God, power to be his witnesses, power to see God break in supernaturally on people's lives. A young, young girl called Emily who came to our community as a, as a non-Christian quickly joined in on the Alpha course. We were running in our home as part of our community's life, like one of your Barnabas communities. And uh, she came to faith during that uh, period of time. We're not exactly sure when. And she was one of the most enthusiastic members of our community. She said, oh, I've been looking for this community all my life, she said. And she was so clearly excited about God and what God was doing for her. What we didn't know when we first met Emily was that she suffered with a disease uh, called... How one mind can go blank in a moment. Help me someone medical. It's cystic fibrosis. Thank you, there we go. A disease called cystic fibrosis which can affect all sorts of organs in the body, but typically affects the lungs very badly, and people die young of it. In fact, what we discovered was that Emily had had an older brother who had died of it when he was 19. So you can imagine as a young woman, you know, she just thought, what the heck? If I'm going to die at 19, I might as well just go out in a blaze of whatever. And so she lived life to the full as a teenager. She came to us in her late 20s, having settled down, having realized she hadn't died, she'd got a job, but living with that threat of dying early hanging over her. And she went forward one day for prayer in one of our Sunday services, and it's wonderful how you know, the, the central stuff can combine with the community stuff, and the two work together, the temple and the oikos, working hand in hand. She went forward for a, a time of prayer for healing in one of our services. And she experienced God. She didn't know what had happened, but she felt God touch her. And she went back to see her consultant some while later. The first time, actually, I had a serious conversation with Emily. She was actually in hospital with really bad lung infections and you know, wheezing away and on oxygen, looking terrible. But this was about a year later. She had not had any hospital admissions, but she went back to see her consultant. And the consultant said, well, Emily... You know, you've always joked with me that uh, your, you know, your goal in life is to live uh, longer than I stay in my post so that I retire before you die. But I want to tell you today, you, from all the tests that I can do, you are probably going to have a normal lifespan. Can you imagine how that felt? Awesome. The power of God as the Holy Spirit does something wonderful in her life. The Holy Spirit not only wants to partner with us 
for purpose and direction and lead us and guide us, but for power and presence. And I just want to finish by suggesting a few ways that you too can cultivate your friendship and your partnership with the Holy Spirit. Get to know him. Talk to him, okay? You know, many of us as Christians, we've never talked to the Holy Spirit. He's a real person. He's not just a power or a presence. He's a person. Talk to say, Holy Spirit, what a glorious day today. The sun is shining. Thank you so much. Or, Holy Spirit, I'm really enjoying this Indian takeaway that Anne and I enjoyed last night. It was just wonderful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Or, Holy Spirit, my kids are driving me crazy. Could you just help me? Give me some wisdom today. You know, give me, some, give me your authority today, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me. I need you. Whatever the situation, invite the Holy Spirit. That was the words that Graham Tomlin used. Continually ask for the Spirit's presence and help as a and help as a conscious act of invitation. Invite him into whatever's going on. Talk to him like a like a good friend. Build your friendship by communication. That's how friendships are built. Engage with him in your worship. Worship until you experience his presence, not just in theory, but in reality, till you know that presence is with you and enjoy it through the day. If you have the gift of tongues, then use the gift of tongues. Jude, in his letter, says, says this, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. As we pray in tongues, we build ourselves up, we pray in the Spirit. And as we come to a time of ministry in a short while, Anybody who's not yet spoken in tongues, I want to encourage you. My conviction, you may believe differently, but my conviction is anyone who wants to can have the gift of tongues, can speak in tongues. Why would God withhold such a good gift from any of his children? He longs to give good gifts to his children. If we ask, we'll receive, Jesus said. So be, be, be happy to come forward and just say, Lord, I want to speak in tongues and then have a go. It's not rocket science, just have a go. Don't try and think it out, just speak it out. The gift of tongues is a wonderful way to connect with the Holy Spirit because it's his language. It's the language of the Spirit. That's why in Corinthians, Paul says to the Corinthians, <coughs> after speaking about tongues, he says, so what are we gonna do then? I will pray with my mind and I will pray with the Spirit. I will sing with my mind, I will sing with the Spirit because our natural language is so limited and the language of the Spirit is unlimited because God is unlimited. So if you, if you have the gift of tongues, use it. Chatter in tongues all day long. You know, just enjoy God. Have that, it's like a direct hotline to heaven by the Spirit. Take steps of faith. Listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he wants to say to you because he is speaking to us all the time. He wants to converse with you as you with him. Build your friendship and partnership with the Spirit. And you know, one of the, the, the litmus tests of how well connected we are, how much we're enjoying that fellowship with the Holy Spirit is joy. If you're lacking joy, then you might want to try and develop your fellowship with the Holy Spirit because all of these scriptures in John 14, 15, and 16, 
I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate to help you be with you forever, the spirit of truth, etc., etc. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. When the advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth that goes out from my Father, he will testify about me. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said to you, the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. In the middle of all of these teachings in John 14, 15, and 16, amongst everything else that Jesus is saying, he says this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. So that you'll be filled with my joy and your joy may be complete. If we're lacking in joy, it may be a sign that we need to develop and cultivate our friendship and partnership with the Spirit. I love what Jude goes on to say after he says, building yourself up Praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God. Because you see, the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of the Father are accessed through the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says in Romans 5 5, he says, You know, hope will not disappoint you because God will pour out his love in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Spirit who is given to you. Matt, would you like to bring the band back up on stage? Now I want to invite those of you who are saying, do you know what? I really want to know the Spirit better. I want to cultivate that friendship and partnership with the Holy Spirit. I know that I, I'm, I, it's, it's the short leg on the stool in my life of knowing Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to know him as a person. And I'm, you know, I've got that thirst and that hunger. Jesus, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and I'll give him of the Spirit. It may be you want to be filled with the Spirit. It's something that God wants to do, to fill you with his Spirit, receiving the gift of tongues, to have that close language of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It may be you, that you know that you need the joy of God in your life, and there's something lacking there. And maybe you can access that through your fellowship with the Holy Spirit.